Hello, I'm Suzette Shamoon. I'm a psychologist and cognitive hypnotherapist, and this is my podcast, Hand Baggage Only. In this series, along with an array of guests, I'll be examining the emotional baggage that builds up and clutters our lives due to the complex nature of our life experiences and relationships with those around us. When is a friend truly no longer a friend? How do our friendships change when our life circumstances do? And why do those around us not always act in a way which we would want or expect them to? And why don't we? We'll explore these questions and more together so that we enter our friendships with hand baggage only and leave room for stronger, more authentic friendships to grow. Hello and thank you for joining me for this episode of Hand Baggage Only. Today I'm speaking to a young woman who's been coping with the sudden onset of chronic illness. Lisa developed long COVID two years ago, a condition which has seemingly put her career on hold and some aspects of her friendships. The relationships we have with others when our life circumstances change doesn't just stop. Perhaps they just don't develop in the way that we might have imagined they would in those circumstances. Lisa Greenwood's an actor who's had roles in EastEnders, called The Midwife, and Casualty. And she also enjoyed a really busy social life. But her lifestyle dramatically changed when she became too ill to work, socialize, or even get out of bed. Lisa and I talk through her journey that she's had with her friendships, not only focusing on the ones who she felt let her down, but also the new ones which have enriched her life as a direct result of her long COVID. So here's Lisa now. Have a listen. Okay, Lisa, thank you so much for joining me today. You've been on your own journey over the past few years. Mm -hmm. You know what it's like to experience illness and experience the effect that illness can have on you and your friendships and relationships around you. But before we go into that, just tell me a little bit, share with us a little bit about what your life was like pre-illness, pre-long COVID. Yeah, um, it felt like a pretty normal life. You know, life felt very light, very free. I was very fortunate not to suffer with any illnesses pretty much in in my life. I'd never even broken a bone, right? (laughs) So yeah, I I felt almost, I don't know if ignorance is the word, but I wasn't aware of chronic illnesses. Like I wasn't aware that people couldn't do the things that they wanted to do in life. And I know that sounds crazy. Um, I think it's fair. But I'd I'd never experienced it. My family had never experienced it. I mean, my sister has asthma. So I understood the limitations with that, but I just didn't understand chronic illnesses to that extent. They'd never really crossed my path. So yeah, very free. I'd go to the the opening of an envelope, you know, (laughs) very big social life, very busy life. You know, I worked nine to five in my day job. Then I'd hit the gym. Then I'd see the friends. And then on the weekend, I'd be writing a script or I'd be off doing an advert. Um, Yeah, voiceover stuff. It was a very, very busy life. And so tell me a little bit about your friends. Yeah. Who who were your friends pre-illness? Are they the the kids you grew up with? Are they people that you've worked with on different jobs? Yeah. You know, how did those friendships evolve? It's a mixture. So I would say my closest friends are the friends that I grew up with, um, the friends that knew me from when I was younger and we've just gone through life together. You know, you just build up such a big relationship. You go through everything together. So they were my closest friends. And then if I look at my next circle, it might have been 
work friends um, or people that I'd worked with in TV and film, my next circle, more kind of like acquaintances, you know, it's kind of, but yeah, my immediate friends was my childhood friends. And those childhood friends, were they the kind of friends who you would speak to every day? Because generally speaking, we say our our most intimate friends are the ones that we invest Mm -hmm. the most amount of time and energy into, right? So I know my close friends, I've got two very close friends, I speak to them Every day they are yeah. my, my, my wives. <laughs> and, and I think that's what's helped to maintain that level of intimacy, emotional intimacy, yeah. is the, the amount of time that we've all invested in, in this friendship. Mm. Same with you? Or were um, they the ones that you could just dip in and out of and they're always there? I would say the same. Like my closest friends we talk to every day. You know, we've got the WhatsApp group. You know, we FaceTime, voice note. Um, it's pretty intense, you know, the inner circle. <laughs> You know, we're in each other's lives. But then I also have a selected few friends that I don't always see, but they also felt very close, if that makes sense. I couldn't see them very often, but they were the sort of friends that when you eventually did catch up, it was like no time had passed. You'd never been apart. And it just instantly felt like you clicked back together. Friendships, soulmates, I don't know what them ones are really, but yeah, I had them as well. Okay, so then you contracted covid mm-hmm. two years ago is it yeah just over two years ago okay tell me about the maybe that first month mm. what was that like for you horrendous and i'm gonna try not to cry right i'm gonna try we have kleenex for a reason <laughs> yeah I have, I have some fancy <laughs> fancy uh, box of tissues so yeah it was completely unexpected i caught covid in the height of the pandemic right so everyone was scared we was all in lockdown and on the 10th day i collapsed I just progressively got worse and we reached out to the hospital and the doctors and it was at a time that COVID was purely, they thought, respiratory. Mm. So I had no breathing difficulties whatsoever. I had a heart rate of 150 and extreme tinnitus, neurological issues, but they said this was this was part of COVID and it would eventually ease off. Um, two weeks into that, I was bed bound and I got some advice from the doctor to go for a brisk walk around the block which I followed. And that led me to not be able to lift my arms, lift my legs. Um, And it was very, very intense. So they said that they thought it was anxiety. Nine months later, we found out it was actually heart inflammation, perimyocarditis, scarring. My stomach was so inflamed, they thought it was Crohn's disease. And I was suffering with microclots around my um, system, which I'm still suffering with, to my knowledge. Um, The only place you can get tested for that is in Germany. So It got to the point that I was severely unwell. I couldn't function. Um, I had to move home. You know, I couldn't even pick up my phone, let alone try and communicate with my friends. So in the beginning, if we're looking at friendships, I, one, I feel like I disassociated from my friends um, because everything was so overwhelming. Like I didn't know what was happening. I was scared. It's just so sad. Um, I'm in such a better place now. I disassociated from everyone because I didn't know how to act in that way. You know, I was the girl who would drop everyone off or, you know, be the person at the party, organise the parties. Like, I couldn't be that person anymore. And I was scared what was happening with my body. And I also felt ashamed to let people know that I was sick. And I don't understand why I felt like that. I mean, you would know more about that than me, you know, delving into the brain. But I was ashamed to let people know that I was suffering so for about four months, I didn't really tell anyone what was going on. Okay. That felt like a lot. 
Yeah, no, Sorry. absolutely. So, okay, so let's break this down. You're not well. You've, really unwell. You've got the physical symptoms which you're trying to manage. You're trying to get your head around what what is going on with my body. And at the same time, your social life has now come to an end. It's all shut out around you, It wasn't you, right? really at the forefront of my mind at that time. Of course. Um, in terms of friendships, I felt like my body was trying to survive. You know, I didn't know I had all of this going on. Yeah. The doctors were telling me it was on anxiety. I felt like I was going mad because I knew my body was unwell. So at that time, friendships were not what I was focusing on. A hundred percent. But mm. I know that sometimes we need support. Yeah. Right? Going through something like this on your own is hell. Yeah. Going through it anyway is hell. Yeah. But having support is helpful. Were your friends, Did they? were they trying to reach out to you? while you were going through all of this? Because four months to not hear from you after you've mm. been speaking to you every day or every other day or every month, whatever it is, yeah. all of a sudden for you to go radio silent, mm. were you hearing from them? Yeah, I mean, if we look at my close int- uh, close friendships, yeah. yeah, they were reaching out. You know, a few of them were really worried, you know, wanting to come round. But at that time, I was seven stone. I felt like a bag of bones. I didn't want to see people, you know. But some were good and some I felt... I didn't hear from and I didn't really think about that until I'd started to make small improvements. Mm. And then I started to think, well, where were you in those in those times, you know? So it felt like two very different reactions. Yeah. Two different groups of people, essentially. Those who are there yeah. but you don't want to engage with. Yeah. And those who haven't engaged and therefore yeah. you're like, okay, I might not have wanted you, but where were you anyway? Yeah, and that's the that's the, the funny thing because you go through that thought pattern. I'm an, I'm at a stage now where I've realised that I shouldn't really have been focusing too much on the people that weren't there for me or that I didn't feel there for me, but focusing more on the people that were giving me their time. Um, but, oh, I'm going to challenge you on that. No. Oh, really? Yeah, no, okay. that doesn't make sense to me. I'll tell you why. Because if they are your friends, you expect them to be there for you. And if, they are, if they're not there for you, then it's going to be normal that you're going to think, okay, so then, well, that's where you start questioning your friendship, no? Mm, yeah. Because that's when you, I know I've been through that experience where I've, I've been through a life-changing experience and certain friends just haven't been around. And you're like, okay, wait a second. Why not? Have I pinned this wrong? Mm. Um, am I am I wrong in thinking we're as close as I think we are? Mm. Maybe we're not. Mm. And and automatically I start mind reading and thinking, okay, well maybe they don't care about me, right? I don't naturally jump into the well. Maybe they've got something going on in their lives too. Yeah. Right. I make it about me. Yeah. Um. You do. Yeah. I felt like that as well. But I feel like I've always been a person that overthinks every situation. So I knew what I was going through. But my bestest friends, I was thinking, are they okay? You know, what's going on in their lives? And I felt like I was reaching out. Um. In that sense, when I started to recover slightly, I knew it wasn't all about me. I mean, we'd had conversations um and you open my mind to that you know so then I would reach out to them and I don't know if it felt like so much time had passed um but yeah I just really wasn't getting responses back it it felt very strange so with your friends who weren't there for you Mm. what did you do did you confront them did you it was really it was really difficult at that time so if I think about my closest friends 
there was a group of us, right? And one of them reached out to me and was very on it at that point. And it was at a, a point where I felt like I could open up. Um, but it was a very, very dark place for me at that time. You know, I wasn't walking, barely talking. There was discussions potentially about wheelchairs, having to move around. I felt, you know, the, the scariest I've ever been. And my brain was going to very dark places. And I shared that with one of my friends. And it, that seemed to weirdly divide me from other people from the group because I'd opened up to that one friend and not the others that became a a topic of conversation right you know like they all felt left out because I hadn't told them that stuff about me but in my head I'm like left out of telling you that I felt suicidal like it just didn't make sense to me um so unfortunately that was the start of where our friendship started to to break apart it just got bigger and bigger and bigger that's really hard because mm. what you're describing to me is i've i've experienced these kind of things with my own life where i will share with one person and it's not because that i feel closer to that person mm. but actually it's just because in that moment mm. i was so vulnerable and that for once i've allowed my defenses to come down and so I will finally talk about what the heck's going on with me. And yet my other friends will be like, but you told her. And it's like, yeah, but I told her not because I'm closer to her or Mm. I trust her more than you. I told her because she caught me at a a good slash bad moment. Yeah. Right. And you might not be a person that is open about talking about those things. Like I know I'm not like, when you first met me, I know I'm very open with you because you were my therapist, <laughs> you know, so you know a lot about me, but I didn't tell people about my life. Like I was very guarded. Like I didn't tell people if I was upset or angry or, yeah. you know, being suicidal, like, you know, I never acted on it. Um, but, you know, being from a position where you could live your life freely to back in those early days where I couldn't walk, talk was so unwell. Your brain goes to these places. Um so opening up to that one friend felt like a lot. Yeah. You know, it felt like a lot. And I I didn't feel comfortable telling that friend, but I had to get it off my my chest. So to then get like, I would say, weird responses as, as if to say you're not telling us. It felt it felt too big of a subject to really be having that discussion about, if that makes sense. It does. It felt too important. It does. And yet, so for me, I can see both sides of it. Having Mm. been there myself where not necessarily about my own condition, but my husband's condition, my ex-husband's condition, when he was diagnosed with Parkinson's, there was only one friend who actually called me um, that I can remember, called me straight away and said, I just heard, is it true? Yeah. Are you okay? What's going through your head? And and I remember she was the only one who I actually said actually spoke and said, you know what? I'm terrified. Yeah. I'm absolutely terrified. I don't know if I'm gonna have a husband for for very long. Because mm-hmm. okay, it's a long time ago, it shows my age. There was no internet. <laughs> so What yeah. face cream are you using? If that, if <laughs> that is you. the case. <laughs> but yeah, so we're we're talking over twenty years ago. Yeah. And so I had no idea what was going on. And all of a sudden I didn't know how to reach out to my friends. And this person who was not a close friend calls me up 
She knew the right questions to ask me. She caught me at the right time when I was able to speak to her. And I was able to to vocalize my fears and my doubts. Mm. And, you know, and because I didn't know enough about the condition, I was able to just vent. And then I closed up because actually, then I don't know about you, but went through my head of, I don't want to put this on her. It's not fair. She shouldn't yeah. have to deal with this. Um, this is my issue. This mm. is, and, and the one thing I don't want to be is the Debbie Downer that everybody starts looking at and pitying. And Exactly. And yeah. So, so I, my job is to be the fun one and to, 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 to make people laugh and smile. And, and the last thing I'm going to do is start sharing about, woe, woe betide me. Yeah. Our life is so difficult. Um, but actually by being like that and not having that balance in my life, I found that it, it it definitely affected my friendships. And that's because I didn't have the, I don't know what it is. It's not the guts, but the the understanding that it's okay to be weak Yeah, <laughs> with yeah. my friends. Yeah, I, I was the same, I think. Because you shift roles all of a sudden, right? Mm. I think I had a certain social role with certain friends. Yeah. You know, this is the person that I am. I'm the listener. I'm yeah. the, uh, I'm... I'm the one who can be empathic, but I can also be a bit kooky and funny. So for me to shift role into the, mm. I'm a bit serious and I'm a bit sad and I'm a bit nervous. I didn't know how to be that person. I didn't know how to play that role. Yeah. It takes a lot to be vulnerable, you know, and break that guard down. That's what I felt like I was never in that space. Yeah. You know, I, I'm an actor um, and I feel like I've always put on, a massive front, you know, I'd go into the audition and I'd be like, hello, no, 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 you know, showy. And mm-hmm. I carried a lot of that with me throughout life. So I, I didn't know what it was like to be vulnerable. I'd never really show anyone what that felt like. So it takes, it takes a lot from you. So mm-hmm. I understand where you're coming from. It is. It's that it's being vulnerable, mm-hmm. but it's, it's accepting that that is a part of you as well. Right. Yeah. And finding peace with that as well, because you might not want to be a vulnerable person. I know I didn't want to, but there is strength in vulnerability. That's what I've learned from where I am today. Um, And good things can come from that too. You know, you you can lose friendships during illness, unfortunately, but you can also gain friendships. And I feel like when I did eventually open up and showed the vulnerability, a friend came into my life who I would say was – probably in my second or third circle. <laughs> like we didn't see each other. She's like, she's a, a massive actor, right? She goes, shoots here, shoots there. Like I wouldn't have thought she would have had time for me in a moment like this. But she became one of my closest friends because I was vulnerable and I opened up and unbeknownst to me, she'd experienced something similar, you know, a few years back with her health. And she just got fast tracked to the inner circle, right? And now we've got a, a great friendship. So being vulnerable is hard, but it also, you know, there's good things that can come from it. I had the same thing. I've got Ehlers-Danlos, mm. which is a hypermobility condition. I was only diagnosed three years ago, but I've had it all my life. Yeah. And I was ill on and off all my life with various issues. When I was 11 years old, I think it was, um, I spent about nine months in bed because I yeah. was having various issues. Um, I only made guest appearances at school and I didn't know what was going on with myself and couldn't make sense of it. And we went from it's my balance, it's my this, it's my that. And then it was in my head and anxiety. You yeah. know, they, they, they labeled it 20,000 different things. And it was really hard for me to share that with my friends and tell them. And, and I think I shut down a lot yeah. from that age onwards. And so I never really spoke about what was going on with me. And 
I always had, you know, I, I've injured everything. And then three years ago when I was diagnosed, I opened up to my high school best friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she's been my best friend for, for, for over 20 years. And she is a best friend who I don't speak to all the time. But she's one of those friends that you described earlier. Yeah. You can pick back up. Yeah. But all of a sudden, being able to tell her, actually, you know how I've had all of these things. You've always seen me, and I've always felt a bit like a, a little bit of a hypochondriac. Mm. Actually, it's not hypochondria. There's actually an underlying issue. And I remember the first time I discussed it with her, she was just unbelievable. Mm. And I, I got what I needed for the first time. I got what I needed was understanding. Yeah. Um, somebody who, who can sit down and say, I see you. I see you for who you are now. Mm. And it's okay. And I think that's what resonates with me when you tell me about your friend. Yeah. It's that thing of all of a sudden, that friendship deepened for me. It yeah. was like, okay, the barrier came down. And that's the strength that you talk about in vulnerability. Yeah. Because when you show yourself the, the parts that you don't like about yourself, um, and for you and me, there's that illness side, which I've denied for years. You you didn't have that luxury. Yeah. But when you show that, it allows your friends to become better friends. And Exactly. And I, I was fortunate with um, Amy. I told her I was going to mention her today anyway, um, because she'd also been through an illness. So, you know, I, I feel like I was very fortunate there. She'd suffered a post-viral illness herself, so she really understood what I was going through. So I could just be my truest self with her because I knew that she'd been there. So I was lucky. Um, I'm not sure how that would work with friends that haven't been through something like that. That adds another layer, doesn't it? But why? Because it, what if Amy's taught you how to become vulnerable? Yeah. Isn't that a transferable skill? <laughs> it's hard, though. It's hard because with some of the friendships that you've got, you still want to be the person that you were, you know, you don't want to show those sides because sometimes I need a break. I need a break from the chronic illness, you know, the mm -hmm. doctor's appointments, the this and that. And I look to my friends who I go clubbing with. I'm not going clubbing at the minute, obviously, <laughs> but I look to those friends for just a bit of release, like what's going on in your life and things like that. So I, yeah, I, I'm not vulnerable with everyone, but I think that's by choice. But is there not space to be to have a bit more balance? So the clubbing friends mm. who you could be a little bit more vulnerable with every now and then so that they have a more understanding yeah. so that those friendships could deepen. Because for me, can't help it, I'm a therapist, so I'm listening <laughs> to you and I'm going, all right, what's going on here? Yeah. And, and for me, I'm sitting down and I'm listening to you and it's like, okay, but you're still putting barriers up yeah, and you're still putting people in boxes, which is fair, we all do it, but you're putting barriers up in your friendships, it sounds like, no? Hmm. Do you see where I'm coming from? I do. Um, but I also think it's for my own mental health. Like I have friends that I talk to about my illness and things like that. And I just like to have a friend or two that I don't talk about it with. Okay. Um, but I'm not opposed to talking about it with, mm -hmm. you know, if for instance, um, a friend of mine ha is having a hen party. I'm not going to be able to go to that. I don't think. I just don't think I'm ready to kind of reimmerse myself back into, you know, a 90s brunch. There's going to be like 30 girls there. And, you know, normally it's just me in the forest. Very quiet pace of life at the moment. So I think a 90s brunch is a bit much. <laughs> um, and I've explained why I can't go. So she understands that. And, and normally I was the sort of person to probably push through and do it anyway, if that makes sense. So yeah. I, I do open up more, but I do also, yeah, I still have boundaries. I think that's for my own mental health, really. Mental health or protection? 
bit of both. Okay. Yeah, a bit of both. I mean, in all fairness, I respect that because I think mm. there are, I think it, it, you kind of go on a case by case basis, don't you? There are certain friends where you go, actually, no, with you, I just think you are the friend who I can go and have a fun chat with and that's it. Yeah. Whereas there are those who I think there are gray areas. I think, so I had one friend who's actually, she's fast tracked into my inner circle. <laughs> um, so about four years ago where I always had her as a friend. She was a good friend, but she wasn't the, my best friend. Mm. And one day, again, Barris came down, told her what was going on with me. And all of a sudden, she's she's my kooky friend. She's the one I can have a real laugh with. And she's the one who I would call to have a laugh with. But actually, by opening up to her, it was amazing. She's become my best friend mm. because she she showed me a side of herself which I hadn't seen before. Yeah. She gets me more than yeah. I ever thought she could. But the only reason I found that out was because I opened up to her. Mm. Um, and again, she's probably the only person who actually knows intimate details of how much when I'm really unwell. Yeah. So I have days where I have chronic fatigue. I just mm. can't get out of bed. I'm yeah. aching. Um, that can go on for a few days. And I can call her up and go, I feel like hell. I'm mm. just, I don't know what to do. I need to cancel my day. I feel guilty. I feel awful letting people down. And she's the one who'll talk me around and go, no, Suze, you've got to take care of you. You've got yeah. to. And she's she's that voice of reason for me, as well as the one who'll make me laugh the next day when I'm like, hey, I'm fine. Everything yeah. is good. I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> Make me laugh. <laughs> it's great. Um, sometimes it does feel like what I found, it can be a needle in a haystack, a friendship mm. like that. So for me, I had to work a heck of a lot on myself. My guilt, mm. my fear of being rejected, mm. um, my fear of people seeing me in a way that I don't like to see myself as being the depressed one, yeah, the angry one, the yeah. frustrated one. You know, all these things which I, I, I try and avoid, all these yeah, emotions I yeah, try and avoid, yeah. you know. I had to to come to terms with all of that mm. to to allow a friend to see all those parts of myself that I hate, and actually by doing that, I've got the best friends possible. What do you do in a situation? So, say if you do open up to someone mm. and you've been very raw, um, open, you tell them how you feel, but you don't get the response that you were hoping for. What if someone, for instance? doesn't believe your symptoms or you know they don't act like a friend and how do you approach that i had that with one friend yeah so my first reaction was anger mm. <laughs> intense rage of oh my god are you kidding me it's a process right you it seem really to go is. through all these it really is yeah. i think and and my husband my ex-husband we had that with him as well. Where So he has Parkinson's, which means that there are times when he can walk and times when he can't. Yeah. And so when he can walk, that's when we would go out and people would see him and it would drive me nuts because people yeah. would be like, but he's fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with him. And it's like, he's yeah. fine now. But three minutes ago, he was falling over, couldn't leave the house. You know, obviously he's fine now. Yeah. We wouldn't be out. And so people would make it, they, they would almost, it made me feel as if they were diminishing the effects of what I was living with. Yeah. Right? So... Yeah, you know what that's like, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm the sort of person that I post little Instagram stories here and there. 
got the filter on. I need a filter at the minute. Don't judge me. I need a filter. <laughs> you know, the lights, I do my hair and makeup. No one would know that I was unwell. Right. And so I do think partly, it's not a, my fault, but I do, I'm still projecting an image. Yeah. So when people kind of was like, oh, you know, people message me and there's nothing, you don't, you look absolutely fine. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with you. It's or, upsetting, you know, isn't it? It is. And I'm th- then I think, but I've put that image out there. Okay. So what you're saying is it's, it, this is your fault then. I don't know. Well, that's what you're telling me. You've put yeah. that out there. You're showing everybody, this yeah. is what I look like. Yeah. Me at my kind of best, best my worst best. Yeah. <laughs> best, well, I don't know. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Okay. So already that's on you because you're not showing it yourself, right? Yeah. But if if you do show yourself and a friend then doesn't respond the way you want. Yeah, exactly. It's it's just hard. So, okay, so devil and angel, right? One on each side. Devil and me are sitting there going, you cow, how could you possibly be like, oh, come on, I'm human, right? Yeah. And then I've got that angel's part of me, which sits there and goes, well, maybe she's got stuff. She's never experienced something like this before. Maybe she can't understand it. Okay. And then the devil side of me is like, oh, shut up. Don't be ridiculous. Yeah. She should know better. She should know better. And, and I will have that constant. It's exactly what I went through. Right? Yeah. That battle, that inner battle of, I don't know how to deal with you because I am so hurt and frustrated. I'll look for a reason for why. Why can't they support me the way I need? Yeah. No? And unfortunately, like when you are going through something like a serious illness, for me, I had to step back from it. Like I wanted yeah. nothing more to repair, you know, a friendship but I had to step back for it because it was affecting my health you know it was stressing me out so much and that's the tricky thing because I feel like the longer you leave something the gaps then get bigger and it's always harder to I don't know to go back I don't know because I think I that's not been my experience mm. I think sometimes you need that space and when you have space it gives you time to just process miss each other sometimes sometimes yeah. you need that I think you need to be um, a very forgiving person though because if you felt like the lowest you'd ever been and one of your closest friends were not there for you you need to be a forgiven person look I've got a couple of people who've hurt me in my life where so, I would say one I'm ready to forgive with conditions mm. as in it's not unconditional forgiveness it's I need to know that you've accepted what you've done. You've taken your, I'll, I'll, I'll own my stuff, but you have to own your stuff. Mm. Um, and another one where I'm just like, no, forget this. I just, no, I'm upset with you. Yeah. I'm still upset with you. I'm too hurt. No. And I think if you're not there, that I, that's okay. No. Yeah. That's it's human. In, it's interesting as well, because I know we touched upon this before with friendships. Um, when friendships break down, it almost feels that people see them less important as relationships that you've had for years, like romantic relationships. Do you feel that? Um, but they can be just as hurtful. Um, and that's something that I found as well. Like, I don't yeah. think people really understand how hurt you can be from a breakdown of a friendship. Yeah, completely. I mean, I've had friendships which were longer than my marriage. Yeah. So to lose those friends, yeah. it's painful. They are a, such a huge part of your life. Mm. But, but sometimes it's not about losing a friend. Sometimes it's just, sometimes you grow out of a friendship. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I always talk about sameness and difference. Um, when you're living with a chronic illness, there are going to be some people, the people who, whose life experience is so different 
different to yours that you can't can no longer relate on the same level. Mm. I know for for years there was there was a period of my life where where my ex was in bed and very very unwell and so we weren't doing much. Our life became very very small. Mm. And you know, my friends they were going way with each other they were going out they were, they were having parties and whatever and and you know I couldn't relate I just yeah. my my life experience was different yeah and there were a couple of people who I connected with over the internet by that point the internet had had existed um, and, and they could understand my life because they were yeah. going through something similar yeah and so that friendship became more important to me because that sameness, that that same life experience, was something I could relate to, and they could relate to me. Mm. I think I think that's normal. There there are going to be those sameness and differences. Yeah. In our friends, I also found that it was really tricky because in the beginning of the illness, a lot of people used to check in, mm. loads of people, and as the time went on, it became fewer and far in between, and. You know, there's only so many times that you can say no to going out somewhere. Yeah. And then the invites stop coming. Like, how would you deal with that sort of emotion? What do you do in that situation? So that happened. Mm. Um, I think, so bearing in mind, that happened for us, and I say us in my marriage, because of my husband, not because of me, mm. right? My so I was in more of a position of power than you because for me, I was able to say, okay, I need to get on top of this because otherwise we're going to end up alone. So I made an effort. So if you have a partner, it's easier. Yeah. So I'm, I would make the effort of inviting friends over and, and sometimes it was just like, and I'm, we're just going to sit on the bed all together. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, we don't, I remember one, there was one New Year's Eve and Everyone had gone away. Everyone we knew had gone away except for two couples. And I remember calling them up and saying, look, he's not well. And they were like, so we'll come and we'll sit on the bed and we'll do New Year's Eve on your bed. And it was just like, it was amazing. It was magical. And that for me, they were amazing, amazing friends. Yeah. And it was, but that taught me, you need to be flexible. Yeah. You need to be open. Yeah. Vulnerable. Yeah. And, and open to the fact that it's okay if your friends are <laughs> in your bedroom rather than out at a <laughs> restaurant or, you know, y- yeah. you have to be flexible with what you do and what you're willing to do. And sometimes it would be come over for five minutes and then I'm going to kick you out. But those five minutes are going to be oxygen and I need it. And please, yeah. and that, that will be enough. And I hope that's okay for you. I know it's annoying. Even if you pass by my house on the way out somewhere more yeah. fun than my house. Yeah. Um, if that's possible. <laughs> I think it's it's managing it like that. And that helped. Again, it deepens the quality of those friendships mm. because those people, you give them the opportunity to show up for yourself, yeah. for you, in a way where it proves to you that they're still there, um, which, you know, I could sit here and say, your friends, if they're good friends, shouldn't have to prove themselves, but they do. Let's face it. We always do. We need that validation. Um, and, and they felt they felt that they were doing something as well because yeah. there's that powerlessness when you've got a friend who's unwell and you just can't help them or change their reality. It made them feel good, I think, that they were there for us. Yeah. So it's, you know, there's that. I think when you're in that mindset of not feeling well, not wanting to be the Debbie Downer, I think that as well is something I learned is it's okay for me to let my friends help me because it'll make them feel good. Exactly. Yeah, I've got a friend like that. I can tell that she just lights up 
when she's been able to help me, you know. And that feels nice. Yeah. 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 I think you just have to be open to it. Um, and you might grow friendships. Like, my friendships feel a lot deeper now. And I didn't think that could have been pos- like possible because I thought I was very tight with my friends anyway. But I feel like they've seen the realest me. Like, the people that are in my life now, they've seen me the realest I can ever be. You no know? filter. No filter. I do love a filter. <laughs> no filter. And I think that feels good. You know, you're still around after you've seen me at the worst that I feel like I can be. Yeah. And that's nice. And hopefully other people listening to this, it will give them hope to to maybe just let their guard down a little bit. It's hard. It's really hard. I know. And it can be upsetting because you feel like you're losing just another piece of you, you know. With me, it felt like losing one thing after another. It felt like all the dominoes were going down, you know, the job my health, not being able to act. And then the friendships, it was like another part of you, but there is light at the end of the tunnel. And sometimes you don't see it. It feels very, very dark, but there is light at the end of the tunnel and you just let your guard down. You might get some nice people in your life, some new friends. That's what's happened to me, you know. Tell me about your new friends. Where did you find them? How did it work? Yeah, so one of my new, she's not a new friend, um, but she'd been a friend that we'd been on like the Doctor Who circuit together. And we'd come out of in and out of each other's lives. And she was out in, I think, Canada shooting some Marvel show. Or I don't know. Something really fun. I feel like a terrible friend, but <laughs> I, do have a, I do have a lot on my plate. Um, <laughs> she's just being fabulous somewhere. And when she found out what was happening to me, she reached out to me. Um, she kept wanting to come round. <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to say anyone. But she just kept chipping away, away, away. And then she turned up at my door. <laughs> And she's just become the best, like the one of the best people in my life. We got matching necklaces. Yeah, went down the high street. <laughs> she just gave me so much hope as well. And like I said, I was lucky to have a friend who had gone through what I've gone through and made it out the other side. But yeah, we just became like great friends. So I was lucky to have someone that had been through it. It was just hope, the hope that I needed, you know. Have you looked for friends with long COVID? Have you, have you delved into that? arena i have um i have how is that it's it's interesting because everyone reacts differently with a chronic illness and depending on where you're starting you know at the start of my journey i was desperate you know scared i'd reach out to people you know and as i got further on i kind of realized that you know those people might have also been going through that so i didn't want to put that extra stress on them but I started connecting actually uh, with a girl who she's kind of become the face of long covid she was one of the first people that they found the clots in um and we just connected and we've kind of created a friendship but it feels more of a a, it's not a business meeting we swap ideas do you know what I mean it's kind of like a okay She's in my health bracket, if that makes sense. Yeah, no. So I'm waffling, a, sorry. You're not. No, because what you're describing is, is it's what you were talking about earlier. Yeah. There are certain friends who meet certain needs. Yes, yeah. So if you need someone to understand you and your symptoms, give you ideas on management of your symptoms, mm. ideas on what to be looking for, changing, making those changes in your life, whatever it is, yeah. she's your go-to because she's been through it, going through it, understands you, mm. can empathize, can advise, you know, all those things that you want from a friend, but she's not necessarily the friend you'll go clubbing with. Yeah, <laughs> right? definitely. And we all have, you know, friends who serve different needs as well. That's probably... <laughs> horrible way of putting it isn't it but you know 
Well, no, it's different it's types good of friendships. To, you know, someone who's going through exactly the same thing as me, going to the same doctors as me, we can kind of connect on that, and you don't feel as alone if yeah. that makes sense. Um, and I've also got a friend who we connected. She's an actor as well. She's not really come out about it. Um, she's just going through her own process at the moment. Um, and we're actually very open with each other, you know, because we're both actors. And you, we know what it feels like to miss out and not be able to have that same energy at the moment. Yeah. So that feels like a great person that I've become friends with. You just have to find your people yeah. um, when you're going through something like this. And it can feel hard. But you'll know, you know, if you connect with someone and it makes you feel a little bit more anxious or a little bit more worried, that might not be the right friendship for you at, at the moment. Um, you need to find someone who's on the same wavelength as you. Mm. And it, it can be difficult, but you can do it. Lisa, you've been absolutely fantastic. Oh. I cannot thank you enough for being so open, honest, mm. vulnerable, sharing your experience. Thank you thank so you. much. I hope it gives people a little bit of hope because I think going through illness can be a very dark place. Yeah. Um, and like I said, you feel like you can lose a lot, but you can also gain a lot. Thank you. So I'd like to thank Lisa for coming in and talking to me. I know that Lisa wants to help other people who might be in similar positions. And I think the thing which I really took from this particular conversation is how important it is to use our voice when we're struggling. I think the thing which listening to Lisa that really hit home was when she stayed quiet and didn't actually ask her friends for help and support, it wasn't naturally there. And sometimes we don't know why that is and it's hard for us to know unless if we ask. But in the way that people might judge us, we've got to be careful not to judge them because we don't know what's going on in their lives, why they're not being supportive. Again, in the same vein though, when Lisa did start speaking up and using her voice, what's amazing is how she started connecting to other people who had either been through similar experiences or who were going through similar experiences and how that brought them closer together and helped her to have the kind of friendships in her life which have really enriched her life. So I want to thank Lisa for her bravery and honesty. It's not easy to always talk about these kind of experiences when they are still so raw and pertinent to one's life. That's all for today. I'll be back next time to talk to someone who shares their experience of coming out and the impact that it had on his close relationships. Goodbye for now. Hand Baggage Only is presented by me, Suzette Shamoon, produced by Amanda Redman and brought to you by Audea Communications. Please remember to rate and review the show and to leave a comment with any themes you would like us to explore. For more information, you can go to suzettshamoon.com. See you next time. Mm-hmm.